beloved elders, diligent deacons, fellow saints, brothers and sisters in the Lord, family of God, would you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 as we consider verses 3 through 5 as our lesson text for the morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 3 through 5. To our guests, our beloved friends who may not be a member of the Church of Christ, we're honored you've chosen to be with us. We trust that our worship is acceptable unto the Father as a way of encouragement to you and that you will learn more of the Word of God and be more with us as our aim is to worship our Lord in spirit and in truth as we've assembled on this morning. Reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning with verse 3, the Apostle Paul said, Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. May the Lord bless us with the reading and the hearing, and more so the application of His Word. By way of introduction, consider with me verse 3 of the idea of Christ being mighty in us. That says that you and I will possess a strength through God, through Christ, through His Word, that will lift you and I to press onward as we revive to faithfulness. Consider verse 4 of living with Him by the power of God. That as we are mighty in God, it is the power of God through His Word, through the Gospel, which is the power to save, Romans 1.16, that through His power we are able to exceed and to receive those things according to Ephesians 3.20 of things that we would exceed abundantly above all that which we ask or think according to the power that works in us. But then let's look a little closer at verse 5 at a charge that is given. When you and I see this word examine, it is a word that simply means you put yourself to the test. That you stop and you look at yourself carefully. You look at yourself and be as brutally and biblically honest as you can be about yourself. And when you examine, here is the test, whether you be in the faith. Now, this is interesting. He's writing to the church at Corinth's second letter, which we know that things have improved over the first letter. But he said, I want you to examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. The New Testament is also depicted as the faith. 
When there were those that were obedient to the gospel, in Acts 6 and verse 7, the Bible says that they were obedient to the faith. In Jude verse 3, we are instructed to contend earnestly for the faith which was delivered once for all saints. Meaning, this is the complete revelation of God. You don't need any more. You got it. In Colossians 1 and verse 23, they were taught to continue in the faith, but were instructed that the faith had been delivered throughout the whole world. It's God's system of salvation, His scheme of redemption. And He's telling the church here, the church, the called out, if you will, the nation of God, 1 Peter 2, 9, the called out those for God's purpose, Matthew 16, 18. He tells the church that you examine yourselves, you look at yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Are you where you're supposed to be? And then he says, and I love this next word, prove your own selves. That word prove means you're going to test yourself, but you know you can pass the test by the way you have been living Except you be reprobates. Reprobate. You have failed the test. There were those in Second Peter 3, 8, Janus and Jambres. They were told that they were reprobate. They had failed their faithful test. For the next few moments, I want you and I to consider in the under the umbrella of a revival to faithfulness, I'd like for you and I to consider a spiritual self-examination. I'd like for each of us, young or old, to examine ourselves. Take a good, hard look at ourselves in light of the Word of God. If you'll permit me to back up to 2 Corinthians 10, verses 12 and 13, let's be reminded of the standard. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. In other words... I'm not going to examine my life compared to yours. And you're not going to examine your life and compare it to mine saying, well, I'm better off than some. That's not the criteria we're going to use. We're not going to use other people's lives. Now, while there are lives, it should be a light of the world, Matthew 5, 16. Let us see in verse 13 of what we are to measure our lives with. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us a measure to reach even unto you. Our measuring stick, if you will, our rule, our rod, is what you're seeing on the wall straight ahead. It is going to be the Word of God that we're going to measure our lives up against. Chad mentioned that Renita and I have been in uh, Cleveland since 2002. We moved into the house that we live in in 2003. And like with all houses, you begin to make some changes and adjustments.
This house has a full basement underneath. And of course, wooden stairs going down. And I was looking at going to put just some probably indoor, outdoor type turf on each step. As Renita and I were walking and shopping, we came across some thicker carpet like a runner. And we measured it and found out that we could just flow that down the stairs and it would last a good long time. And it's still there to this day, 11 years later. But when we measured it, we realized that the stairs, that if I measured it just right, that that runner would come down and there would be an inch and a half on each side of exposed step. But if you ran it right down, inch and a half on each side, it looks pretty good and it still does the job to make sure feet are cleaned off before we go into the house. So I take a standard, my trusty, 20-foot long Stanley ruler that I found on the side of the road when I lived in Hendersonville. Now, folks, if you measure anything in Bradley County with a Sumner County ruler, it's still accurate. And I started, and I measured inch and a half on the right, inch and a half on the left, and I tacked it. I flowed it down. I measured the second step, inch and a half to the right, inch and a half to the left, and I tacked it. I went down to the third step, inch and a half on the left, inch and a half on the right, rolled it down and tacked it. And I thought I got the flow. So I began to roll down each step and tacked it. And I got to the bottom, and I looked up at the top, and I had veered off to the left. Renita opened the door, said, how you doing? I said, baby, I'm off to the left. And she looked down and said, well, it doesn't look that bad. Those of you that are not married, may I talk to you for a moment? When your wife looks at you and says it doesn't look that bad, she's being as sweet as she can be. But if you've got some sense about your husband, you're going to fix it right. I didn't like it. I pulled out every attack. I went all the way up to that third step. And I started again. And every step, I took that tape, that trusty 20-foot long Stanley ruler. And I went an inch and a half every step. And ladies and gentlemen... If you go to that house today, you stand in my basement, which I like to call the man palace. If you stand at your basement and you look up those steps, it's accurate. Not because I'm so good. It's got nothing to do with it. I wasn't. When I tried to do it on my own or I've got it started, let it flow, I got off the line. But when I put the standard to every step of the way, ladies and gentlemen, not only is it right the first time, it stays right five years later. And to this day, 11 years later, it's still right because we put it to the standard. 
And ladies and gentlemen, if we examine our lives according to the Word of God, the standard, it will not only be right the first time, it'll be right five years later, ten years later, and it'll be right until the day you and I leave this earth through death or Christ returns and we all go home. Let the church say, Amen. Our standard is the Word of God. So no, we're going to admire examples before us, take encouragement, learn from individuals, but our standard, step by step, we're going to go up against the Word of God. For the next few moments, would you consider with me a spiritual self-examination. In a revival to faithfulness, one of the first things we have to do is start with ourselves. Am I what God would have me to be? And that's something that we all should look at every day. When you and I think we've learned it all, we're only beginning to learn. When you and I think we've got it down... There's something that's going to rise up we're going to need to work on. Very quickly, consider with me these five. Number one, a spiritual self-examination. I see to it that the Lord always comes first in my life and in my family's life, always. I see to it that the Lord always comes first in my life and in my family's life always. Matthew 6.33, Jesus teaches, teaches us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all those things, the physical need, will be added unto us. In Matthew 22 and verse 37, Jesus taught and said how we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Consider Matthew 16, 24, when Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In Luke's account of Luke 9 and verse 23, the Bible tells us, to let us take up our cross daily and follow Him. So we get a good, clear picture from the Word of God that Christ is to be first in our lives, that we love Him with heart, soul, and mind, as well as strength, as we see in other accounts, and also that we take up our cross daily and follow Him it seems to me that's a 24-7 lifestyle. That's an examination that we've got to ask ourselves. Self-examination number one, I see to it that the Lord always comes first in my life. Notice with me, church, that's where it begins. It begins with me and it begins with you. It starts with us as individuals. How am I doing? And then it branches out to our family. Is the Lord first in our lives and in the lives of those in our family always? This past week, our boys and girls were at their Bible camp. And I'm going to tell you folks, 
I'm encouraged of what I see among the young people in the Lord's church today. There's a lot of good out there. And last week at camp, we were talking about building a spiritual self-image, a better self-image. And this is something that I shared with our boys and girls, but it's just as simple as this. Early in life, if you will make Jesus the hub of your wheel, if you make Him the hub of your wheel, and He is right there in that wheel, when that wheel of life turns, it's going to roll good because Jesus is the hub that keeps the balance. He is the hub that keeps the steering right. And when we roll through life and He is in the hub in the center, it makes travel easier. Spiritual self-examination number one. I see to it that the Lord always comes first in my life and in my family's life, always. Number two. I and my family are faithful in assembling to worship God, including Sunday nights and Wednesdays. When you and I consider the book of Hebrews, a book penned to those Christians in Palestine, and a book that was penned to guide them back and to make sure that they would stay on track of how they should live. You see, a lot of times, folks, growing up in the church, it's fair to take Hebrews 10.25 and talk about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. But might I submit to you that when we consider that passage, look a little bit more at it in depth. Not forsaking the assembling. There are times, folks, that I have missed assembling with the saints. But there's a difference in missing and a difference in forsaking. I'll use our beloved sister Ethel Parker, for example. Y'all be sure to tell her she did not have to go to that extreme to get out of hearing me preach this morning. But I want to ask you a question. How many of us would say that our beloved sister Ethel Parker, one of the finest Christian women I've ever known, how many of us would say that today, this morning, she is forsaking the assembly? Well, not a one of us. We understand that. Now, did she miss this morning? Yes. More ways than one. We miss her and she misses being here. I mean, show of hands. How many of you wake up in the morning and say, My, it's a beautiful day outside. I think I will put myself in Hendersonville Hospital. We don't do that. There's a difference. To, are you with me now? There's a difference in forsaking and a difference in missing. But now, if a person had a choice to be among God's people and I just don't want to go and I want to stay home, that's a whole different story. And if you stay there in Hebrews 10 and you back up to verse 24, if you're considering one another, and in verse 23 you're holding fast the profession of your faith, and verse 22 you're drawing near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, when you're doing those three folks, you don't have to worry about verse 25. It will not happen. 
Back up in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, that reminds us to take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hard to the deceitfulness of sin. Satan has a way of taking that family unit. And if you want to do something else on Sunday night and do something else on Wednesday night by choice, and then one day you're sitting there, husbands, with your wife, and you're wondering why your youngins and your grandyoungins are not coming to worship, turn the clock back. Satan will take advantage of that. Someone up and says, well, now, Brother Archie, I'm all for being there on Sunday morning, but Sunday night and Wednesday night, ladies and gentlemen, may I share something with you? Why aren't you worshiping with me in Cleveland, Tennessee on Sunday nights at 6? Do you mind if I ask you why? Can I tell you two reasons why? Number one, you don't live close enough. Number two, you are not under the oversight of our elders at Eastside. You are under the oversight of the elders here. Who, according to Hebrews 13, 7 and 17, oversee your souls with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable. And as they see a good opportunity for you and I to be together in the evenings, then we should take that opportunity and to exhort and to bring together and to encourage one another. You know, I have told a many a family That's as simple a thing you can do that will help your family on the way to heaven is be together in worship assembly every time the doors are open. You think about it. Is there anything remotely bad that comes from that? Well, you can't think of a thing. Once again, spiritual examination. Examine yourselves. Prove yourselves. Number three. I am very involved every week in some aspect of the mission slash evangelism work of the church. When we're taught in Mark 16, 15 to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, the world starts where you're sitting. When we see that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16, the gospel is what saves an individual. They stand there. They serve within the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15.1-4. In Colossians 1 and verse 23, the Bible says that they took the gospel unto all the world, and there was the entire world that knew of the gospel. You and I can be involved in the evangelism and the mission of the church in teaching others about Jesus Christ. The Great Commission of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. To go ye into all the world, or go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. It's as simple as anything today. For example, do you want me to tell you what the best tool of evangelism is in the local church? It's what they did in the book of Acts. I want you to think with me of something very simple. If one individual, if you, taught one person a year the gospel and converted them to Christ, can you imagine how the number doubles? It's simple. 
I was reading recently, or was told recently, of an individual that is preaching, I believe, in Nigeria. And there was a local gospel preacher in our area that went down and visited, and he asked this man, how did you learn about the gospel? He said, I did a lesson from the World Bible School, and I remember my teacher and called his name, and that preacher had actually grown up in the congregation with that man's children. Matter of fact, one of the man's daughters is one of our members at Eastside. Now you see the power of the gospel going to all the world. I've gotten to know Michael Shank just a little bit, the author of A Muscle and a Shovel. But thousands have done their own search and put their muscle and the shovel to it to learn of truth. Those are simple things that you and I can do. Chad talked about liking and sharing. And, and I know there are some of you fine saints out there that are looking up saying, I can't even turn a computer on. But you know, those of you that say they can't even turn a computer on, you have a whole lot to do with this congregation being here because of your evangelistic love through the years. You know, you can take a link. For example, we have a webpage, sftruth.org, dot eastside backslash tn. That's searching for truth. And I can put that link in a Twitter feed or on a Facebook page and say searching for truth. And people can click on that and view the searching for truth DVD and learn about the gospel. It's that simple. It's amazing what you can do with the social media and how you can teach people even online. There's all kinds of opportunity. Do you want me to tell you what our challenge is with evangelism and reaching out with the mission of the gospel? We're just not doing it. But if we had that one goal, and to be involved with how could I get the word of the Lord out there, could be a co-worker, a neighbor, whatever the case might be. May I give you a fourth test? Quote, I see to it that I and my family are fed a full and steady diet of God's Word that we may grow thereby as we worship faithfully in the public gatherings and take time at home to study His Word. I'm so delighted, Matt, to see your little one here. I understand this is her first service and she has to listen to me. But you know, she's been listening to Chad all this time too. I have mothers tell me at Eastside that their babies actually kick them more when I preach. I don't know if they're trying to tell her to leave or come, but you know, you take our little ones. They're going to go from basics and milk and on to other foods and, and grow. Have you ever thought about the parallel of a child and the gospel? I mean, Peter called Christians, 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. 
The Hebrew writer in Hebrews 5, beginning with verse 12, talked about that there was a time where they should be having meat, but they've got to go back to milk. He said, there comes a time you've got to be feeding on meat that you can discern between good and evil or know the right choices. And we think about how, take for example, a good way to know our milk and our meat of the Word of God is to, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Studying turns us into workmen, and if you will, in the general sense, mankind, but work women too. Uh, you get to think about Timothy. How did Timothy become the man that he did? How did Timothy become one who let his example of the believers shine? 1 Timothy 4.12. Well, if you go back to 1 Timothy 3.15, or 2 Timothy 3.15 rather, he was one that from a child he had known the Holy Scriptures which were able to make him wise unto salvation. It starts when we're little. Do you think I just got up in 2002 and started preaching, ladies and gentlemen, at age five on the hearth of mama and daddy's house? And they start when they're little. An adult has a problem with a computer and gets a six-year-old to help them figure it out. Think with me. I surveyed our high school kids one time and every one of them were in honors classes in high school. Boys and girls are smarter than we give them credit for, and we ought to challenge them with the Word, watch them grow with the Word, teach them as they would like to be taught. And ladies and gentlemen, entertaining them is enjoyable, but entertaining does not grow a person spiritually. Are you with me? It doesn't work. It's good. They love that time together. They will be with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. 2 Timothy 2.22 But let's not forget our aim. A lot of times, folks, it's not what's happening here in the building. It's what's happening in the homes that are buildings. How much time are we spending with our families in opening the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, taking that time at home to know what's going on and to talk about those things that pertain to the Word of God? You see, it's a spiritual self-exam. Are you and your family fed that steady diet? You know, every day in the public school system, our boys and girls get things that are simply not according to the Bible. And that's even in class. And then they have a world out there that wants to pull them this way and pull them that way. Where is going to be the haven of safety and spiritual growth? It's always has been, always will be our homes. Let me give you the fifth one as we test this. I can honestly say that I am doing more now for the cause of Christ than I was a year ago. I am more involved than ever in the Lord's work and in bringing glory to God. Folks, that's part of growing in Christ. You take Revelation 3, three churches. 
One was dead, Revelation 3.1. One was lukewarm, Revelation 3.19. The other one took advantage of an open door. Two out of three there, folks, is bad. Do we find ourselves lukewarm? Going through the motions. Coming here, assembling, we're counted, we're sought. Physically, we're here. Spiritually, we're somewhere else. Have we grown ourselves in a generation to where we taught boys and girls, go to church, go to church, go to church, but we didn't teach them how to worship when we got them there? Have we taught go to church, go to church, go to church, but haven't taught them the joy of living a faithful Christian life before others? Have we found ourselves getting into a rut spiritually and a rut, ladies and gentlemen, is a grave with both ends kicked out. We just stay right in doing the same thing and then we wonder, why haven't I gotten anywhere with God? May I submit to you folks, God never moves. We do. Now take a look at these five. Take a look at these five. Step by step. Take a look at the five. A spiritual self-examination. Take a look. They are quotes that you and I would read. Quite simple. They're the same here. They're the same there. Let me ask you a question. In a spiritual self-examination, how many did you pass? May I gently suggest, if you failed one, that's one too many. If you and I fail one, that's one too many. Well, but Brother Archie, you don't understand. I've got this. I've got this. Whoa, time, 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 time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We go back to 2 Corinthians 10 with me again. We're not talking about putting up your lifestyle to everybody else's. And I've got it so hard. And I've got it this. And I've got it that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a revival of faithfulness. And if our Lord took a cross up Calvary's hill, died on the cross, bled to save your life and mine, and rose again from the dead, there is nothing that can stop me or you from living faithful to my Lord, to our Lord, other than ourselves. And when we say we can't, when God said, I did it, then we can do something about it. I mean, take a look. If I failed one of them, I need to back up. I need to think about it. Now, if you start reaching for those songbook, ladies and gentlemen, I may forget where I am and have to start the sermon all over again. So leave them right there. Leave them right there. This is a spiritual self-examination, a revival to faithfulness. And before we go a step further, Fountainhead, we've got to look at lives first. Is the Lord first in our lives and in our family's lives? Does little Johnny and little Susie say, oh, are we going to church in the morning? Ladies and gentlemen, if they have to ask, something's wrong somewhere. Something's wrong. Number two, are we faithful in our assembly? Well, we've already went over all that. No need to. But where are we? Number three, 
Are we very involved in some aspect, every week in some aspect of the mission evangelism work of the church? Well, I thought that's what we paid the preacher for. Hmm, that's pretty good. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a $10 bill if you prove to me that the preacher's supposed to do your work. I'll give you a $10 bill. I got 12 bucks in my pocket. I live on faith. I'll give you a $10 bill if you prove to me where the preacher does your work because I'll take you to Matthew 25 and I will show you, you and I will stand individually before God. How about our families? I'm talking about outside Fountainhead. What's it like at your house? Are you doing more now for the cause of Christ than you were a year ago? Are we growing? Are we being what God would have us to be? I take a look at these folks, and I can tell you right now, standing before you, as to quote the Apostle Paul, would be a chief of sinners, there's a lot right there that I need to be working on. Probably can hit most of them, but I can probably grow in every one of them. But folks, I'll tell you what, if we happen to be failing in one, that's one too many, and here's God's plan. First of all, starts with me, starts with you. I want to talk to the husband that comes with his wife faithfully who's never obeyed the gospel. I want to talk to the wife who comes with the husband faithfully who's never obeyed the gospel. I want to talk to the young person that has heard the plan of salvation all his or her life but has yet to obey the gospel. I want to talk to one who is old enough, who knows, who is some of the finest people you know, and as we would say up here, a good old boy or a good old girl, but have yet to obey the gospel. It starts with me and it starts with you. When I move on my faith, if I want to have a revival to faithfulness, then I've got to get my faith right. If my faith in God will move me to repent of my sins, change my direction, the command of Christ to repent in Luke 13, 3. The first word out of Peter's mouth when they asked men and brethren, what shall we do? Repentance is a change of decision which results in a change of direction. And chances are I need to change some decisions. And if I need to change some decisions, then I change my direction and come closer to God. I confess Jesus as the Son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Sweetest confession could ever be made. And then one is baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. For sins to be washed away, Acts 22.16. For us to be put in Christ, Galatians 3.27. To be added to His church, Acts 2.47. To be raised to walk in newness of life, a change for the Lord. Brother Archie, I can't live it good enough. If you could live it good enough, Jesus wouldn't have had to die for us. I'll tell you one thing, folks. I might not be living it good enough, but I'll live it forgiven under God's grace, and I'll take that any day. Now, that's what you need to do to become a Christian. Brother Archie, I've heard that. Why haven't you obeyed the gospel? I don't know. Yes, you do. You are allowing a world that doesn't have near the power of the cross to direct you in a way that deep down you don't want to go. And if you're not a Christian, you need to become a Christian this very day. No better day than this one. Number two. As we look at a revival to faithfulness, maybe this morning we've kind of looked at our lives. Maybe we feel like we're in that rut. Maybe we've taken a look up here and said, you know something? There are times I know my family has not seen Christ first. And, and I've got to be honest too. 
There's a whole lot of Sunday nights and Wednesday nights I could probably be here. Folks, I've got to tell this. I don't remember his name, but I remember the occasion because it was right here. It's good to see Sister Jewel, but I remember Brother Mark was preaching here at the time. I was working late one night and stopped here for Bible study in January. This old gentleman came forward right here, came forward, sat down. Brother Mark went over and spoke to him, came back. And Brother Mark called his name and said, he said, Mark, I come confessing my sin tonight because I stayed home Sunday night and watched a football game. It just so happened, if you think about it, guess what football game it was? It was the Super Bowl. I've never, I can't remember the man's name, can't remember, but I do remember Brother Mark getting back up here and saying that, and I remember that kind brother and that tender heart. It very well could be there's a simple thing of the world right there. I mean, are we involved in the work of the Lord? Some people complain they don't commit. Are you with me, church? Lord needs those committed. I mean, look at the things that we're looking at right here. It's just a simple self-examination. It starts with me and you. Now, brother and sister, could be you need prayers. Beauty about the Lord's invitation in the Lord's church. We don't throw stones. We build houses. We don't throw stones. We're lively stones. At each side, when a person responds to the invitation, I get to them as quick as I can or whoever may be extending the invitation. There are occasions people will come and sit by the person that responds. And we take our time. And we don't throw stones in God's house. Because He is the rock on which we are built. But when a brother or sister needs prayer, we kneel. We don't raise up against them. We pray with them. We pray for them. Dear brother or dear sister, it is a week of a revival to faithfulness. Do you need revived in your life? Do you need to obey the gospel? You know, only one step and the rest comes easy. If you need to respond to our Lord's invitation, will you come as we stand and as we sing together?